Hello, we ghosties. I'm Chance Lee. And I'm Amanda McAvoy. And this is That's So Gothic, a movie podcast about girls, guys, and haunted houses. Today, we're digging up the past. College required reading, Oprah's book club, (laughs) slavery, with Beloved. Is that you? What's left? How long has it been? 18 years. What kind of evil you got in there? You ain't evil. Just sad. We have a ghost here, you know. It can't be easy. A young girl living in a haunted place. Got a tree on my back. And I hate in my house. Nothing in between but the daughter I'm holding in my arms. I'm a grown man. Nothing new left to see or do. We can make a life, girl. What might your name be? Beloved. What you looking for when you come here, beloved? I look for this place I've been. I think the baby got plans. A baby? No, it's grown. It's the age it would have been had it lived. She a charm child from the beginning. It's clear why she hold on to you. I just can't see why you holding on to her. You won't ever leave us, will you? Don't tell me what to do. Flesh that weeps, laughs, dances barefoot in the grass. No running from nothing, because I'd rather know my children away at peace in heaven and live in a hell here on earth. So help me, Jesus. Me and my woman's plan on starting a new life. Nobody's going to own us no more. Nobody's going to own my children either. No matter what happened, God has led you home. You came back to me. I know. Released in 1998, Beloved was directed by Jonathan Demi with a screenplay by Akosua Busia. Richard Lagravenis and Adam Brooks, based on the novel by Nobel Prize winner Toni Morrison. The film stars Oprah Winfrey as Setha, an escaped slave, Kimberly Elise as her daughter Denver, Tandaway Newton as Setha's reincarnated daughter and maybe something more beloved, and Danny Glover as Paul D, another escaped slave who is in love with Setha. And this is the story of a family recovering from the inescapable horrors of slavery. Mm-hmm. So despite this pedigree, this movie was a box office bomb. It mm-hmm. made only $22 million against an $80 million budget. Wow. The three-hour runtime is probably part of the reason for that. And the yeah. very heavy, dark Subject material that was not typically tackled in this way, especially in 1998, Mm. Um, but also in an interview with uh, a media platform called Real Black, which is a Black-run media company, they interviewed Jonathan Demme, the director, and he said that the movie only ran in theaters for four weeks, which really impacted its ability to make any sort of money. 
And it was taken out of theaters by Disney, who owned Buena Vista, who was the production producing company or distributor yeah. for this film, to make room for Adam Sandler's The Water Boy. No. So, um, <gasps> so, and then it never came back. Then because wow. this was before streaming, and so they had allegedly told him they would bring it back yeah. around Oscar season to try to build up some Oscar buzz for it. Um, but it it never came back to theaters. Oh, no. And then Oprah is also on the record for saying that she got very depressed because of the poor success of this movie. Mm. And also because of the movie that opened at number one the same week, which was Bride of Chucky. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm fine. Oh, wow. I was like, well, what a time to be alive when you're going to the theater and you have to choose between Bride of Chucky or Beloved. And all you're doing is waiting for the water boy. Like all oh. you're doing. Like this is a bad, this is a bad time for Beloved in theater. Yeah, yeah, that's a rough go at it. <laughs> rough go. And the movie has like virtually been forgotten. We um yeah. We live in a community with a very large network of libraries, and there are literally only two copies of this DVD yep. in the system, yeah. and we have them both. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, DVD kind of sucks. There's no special features. No. Yeah, it's very bare bones, which is unfortunate. So this is kind of a product that's lost to time. I think was ahead of its time for sure. Mm. Yeah. Both the book and the and the f- subject matter for the film. Yeah. Um, who knows if it would have been successful later. But what I didn't realize and what I learned from an article in Vanity Fair is that this is the only film of one of Toni Morrison's books. Really? I, I guess that kind of makes like sense. In, like theatrical. Like, I don't know if there's yeah. been any TV movies, but the only theatrical adaptation. Interesting. Huh. I mean, I would. I'm assuming Beloved is you know, widely regarded as her most popular. It's the one that won her the Nobel Peace Prize, right? Am I correct? I think the or... Nobel Prize is like for an author's body of work. Oh, okay. Um, it's different than the Pulitzer, which is for for a work, whereas the right. Nobel Prize is for the person. Um, I really only know this one and um, The Bluest Eye, which I was are just both gonna, yeah. like high school, college required reading books. Yes. Oh, The Song of Solomon. I think I read that. Oh, okay. Sula, I feel like I thought I thought that had an adaptation, but maybe I'm incorrect. Well, I mean, I have to be incorrect, but that's so funny. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, this article was written when Toni Morrison died a couple years ago. So unless it's been recent, it was at the time. And so the book came out in 1987 Mm -hmm. and Oprah read it immediately and wanted to purchase the rights right away. Tony Morrison had an unlisted phone number. <laughs> so Oprah Winfrey called the fire department in the town in which Tony Morrison lived and said, call Tony and tell her Oprah called. And they did. <laughs> oh my God. So Tony Morrison called Oprah and they worked out a deal. And wow. Oprah had the rights to this, this book. What a boss move. That is so cool. I know. Could you be, imagine know. being the fireman getting that call. Like you literally, like your whole life, you're just like, I'm a fireman. I have, you know, fighting <laughs> fires. I'm responding to emergencies. 
that's my life. And then you get a phone call that's literally Oprah. From Oprah. I know. From if Oprah. you're if there was ever a doubt that Oprah's been a badass for like I don't yes. know, 50 years, like yeah. this is you know, this is great. Um, so good. And so yeah, so they she bought these rights and then it took a very long time to bring it to the screen, which we'll mm -hmm. get into a bit later. Um, during my research, I kept, I would read occasionally that like Toni Morrison wasn't happy with the movie, mm. but I could never find an actual source for this. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I asked chat GPT what Toni Morrison thought <laughs> beloved. <laughs> and chat GPT also did not cite their sources, but said that she had mixed feelings about the movie adaptation mm. and the movie was well-made and beautifully shot, but did not fully capture the complexity and depth of the novel, especially regarding the character of Beloved. Mm, I could see that. Now, I don't know if I've ever read this book. When I was watching the movie, I felt like I knew the story. So maybe I did in college, because like you said, it is typically college required reading and I was an English major. So maybe I did and I just like mostly forget it. But from what I could see, because I was also looking up sort of the book summary after the movie, it seems like it adapted it pretty beat by beat. That's what I thought. I, I remember yeah. the book very little. Mm -hmm. I read it, attempted to read it in high school mm -hmm. and and I then read it again in college. It's a really, for me at that, that time, very, very difficult yeah. Book to understand just the way it's written. It bounces forward and back in time and yeah. um, is very, whatever the positive version of convoluted is. Cause like, I really liked this book, <laughs> yeah. you know, but yeah. it's very complex, I guess. Right. And intertwined. Um, and so, yeah, for better or for worse, I think they've done a, a good job of faithfully adapting it. Yeah. Cause this movie, I actually was afraid I almost like was tempted to ask you if we could do it later, if I could read the book first, but I'm actually kind of happy that I watched this movie before delving into the book, because I think it is going to, because like you said, I could tell just by watching the movie, okay, if this was on page, I would be so confused. So I think it's actually, I mean, again, this is my opinion as someone who hasn't read the book or hasn't read it in a long time. So I could be completely wrong, but it seems like it's probably a good compendium to the book. I agree. I don't understand how anyone can read this book, yeah. especially under the age of like 40 without right. yeah. Cliff's Notes, Cliff's Notes, yeah. or like being in a college class or having right. watched the movie. So the movie at least spells out what's going on because sometimes yeah. the book is intentionally opaque. And, and I remember in high school, a friend of mine who had access to a printer printed out the entire Sparknotes guide for <laughs> Beloved. And we just took our test with yeah. that because we ended up being very lucky and had a substitute teacher that day <laughs> who like did not notice slash care that we just pulled out this giant printout and like had it on our desks, like as we took the test. That's so great. So, and then revisiting it in college, I was much more serious. I, I went to college later and I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, get to the bottom of this. And yeah, I really yeah. liked it. And the, But the discussion helped. I would not have understood what was going on. Right. We didn't have a dis class discussion about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So despite all that, it's actually quite favorably reviewed both critically and the, you know, the, the seven people that saw it. Um, <laughs> it has a 72% critical tomato and a 71% audience tomato. Mm. And Ebert gave it three and a half stars. Oh, so, oh. 
And it's directed, the director, I think, is a weird choice. So it's directed mm. by Jonathan Demi, who did Silence of the Lambs, um, <laughs> which is, I, I've been really engaged. People, film bros really like him. Film people mm. really like him. I haven't really engaged with a lot of his work. I think this is the only movie of his I've seen that isn't Silence of the Lambs. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. Do you know what else he's done? Or He he did Philadelphia with Tom Hanks, which I, okay. I never saw. I never saw Which that. was his, like apology to the gay community for directing silence of the lambs um <laughs> like he felt bad for offending especially trans people with that movie oh that he did goodness. philadelphia wow. so uh, it's, it's hard to the right place yeah um, this movie has some weird it's just it's got some weird stuff to it the way it does the whole ghost aspect and like absolutely while i appreciate for the most part practical effects Yes. I, I wanted some, <laughs> I needed some computer touch-ups yeah. in this one. Yeah. It feels like a, a, like a high school production sometimes. Mm, yeah, yeah. So um, that's all I have to say about that. But um, so the, the writers is what to me is really interesting on mm. the behind the scenes. So we have three credited screenwriters here. Um, we have Akosua Busia, who is from, I believe from Ghana. Mm. and she's top built. And then we have Richard Lagravenis and Adam Brooks. I've never heard of Adam Brooks before. He wrote Practical Magic, another oh. adaptation. Mm -hmm. He wrote the bad Bridget Jones movie, the second one. <laughs> yep. And he seems to be like the second credited writer for another Black-led film called Napoli Ever After. Oh my goodness. This is the whitest white guy you've ever seen. And then there's this movie that I don't know what it's about, but the entire cast and crew seems to be black except for him. And he's the yeah. co-writer. I don't understand. He got his way in there. Um, that. And then Richard Lagravenis was very popular at the time because he wrote The Horse Whisperer mm. and Bridges of Madison County. Oh. Big romances. Yeah. He also wrote and directed Beautiful Creatures, which will be coming up on our podcast eventually. <laughs> Incredible. So we'll be talking about him again. Um, but the real interest is in is in this this other screenwriter, Miss Busia. Mm -hmm. um, and so I found an article in Entertainment Weekly from October 1998 wow. called Brawl Over Beloved. <laughs> and you know I love when Entertainment Weekly actually did journalism. <laughs> yeah. And this is like a four-page article about the oh. grappling behind the scenes over the screenwriting credits for this. Wow. And so they describe her as, quote, a sometimes actress and screenwriter who is also Ghanaian royalty. Oh. They say she is intelligent and slightly eccentric in a new age way. Her answering machine message reminds callers to, quote, remember, faith is not a jump in the dark. It is a walk in the light. Beautiful. And then they write, until now, she's probably been best known as the wife of director John Singleton. They were married for a year and had a kid together. <clears throat> mm. And she co-starred with Oprah in The Color Purple. Oh. Interesting. Was she so, actually royalty or was that hyperbolic? Yeah, <laughs> no idea. The way they're painting her, you have no idea. Yeah, kind of, kind of what to believe here. Um, so she says that she was given a copy of Beloved 
pre-publication by her sister, who's an English professor at Rutgers. Mm. And she's the one who gave it to Oprah. And Oprah bought the film rights in that story we talked about. So she wrote a treatment for a script that was declined. So later on, like four years later, she sent her another screenplay under the pseudonym Mia Oshwigas, which is an anagram for guess who I am. (laughs) That's so good. So Oprah then accepted it under this pseudonym. (laughs) And then surprise, it was her. Uh And so then flash forward when the Writers Guild of America issued the credit to the two white guys. Mm -hmm. So she just assumed that they ended up not using her material, which happens all the time in in screenwriting in Hollywood. But then when she she got a copy of the script and she believed it was her work. Mm. And so she says that, quote, I find it sadly ironic that we have a story such as Beloved, where a black woman fights for freedom from white oppressors. And then here I am, a black female writer from Africa, writing the script and being left in a position to battle against Disney, who recommends two white male writers who were paid literally millions of dollars more than I was. Wow. So the authors themselves say they did not get paid millions of dollars. They Mm -hmm. don't say exactly what they got paid. And then this article, which is very long, goes into like the similarities and stuff about the crediting process. Eventually she did get top billing and then the two men are under her. But um, yeah, what do you think about that? (laughs) If she she is not actually royalty, she is a queen. (laughs) That is insane i mean she absolutely has a point it is so depressing how often it happens where black women's work is completely underappreciated mm-hmm. um obviously we can't know all of the mechanics of what happened but just knowing hollywood and disney's reputation i right. absolutely believe i would i would take her heart uh her side in a in a heartbeat Right. Oprah can only do so much from her position, you know, to have her hands at this point. Sure. She's a producer, but that doesn't mean a lot really. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Seriously. Um, Yeah. Wow. That is incredibly interesting. I really wish we got more like petty beside, you know, behind the scenes movie. Like, Oh my God. If, if entertainment weekly wrote a four page, you know, article on don't worry darling oh my god you know like we're missing that we're missing that so much all we have is demois now and it's just Ugh. like i don't care uh, yeah i don't trust you i don't know you no i miss this the way they the way these writers are so good and pick out the weirdest <laughs> the weirdest bits <laughs> and most bizarre quotes like it's yes. so my jam i love it yeah oh it's so good but I still think it's nuts that this movie, which again, very dark, I can mm-hmm. understand why the subject matter really speaks to Oprah and to many of people. But like this came out in 1998. This was the height of like Oprah's success. Yeah. Like she was like apex mountain at this point, I feel like right. in her career. Right. Um, so that's a little wild. Did you ever watch Oprah or engage with Oprah in any way? Not a ton. Um, I was, you know, pretty, pretty young at like, you know, peak Oprah. Um, 
yeah, I don't have a whole lot of experience with her. Sometimes I would catch it, you know, if I was home homesick from school or something, but yeah, not really. What about you? Yeah. My mom was an Oprah watcher, but for some, Mm. for some unknown reason, when I was like a junior and senior in high school, I was hardcore into Oprah's book club. (laughs) (laughs) I read quite a few uh, books with the, with the big O sticker on it. Yeah. um, Yeah. Loved those, loved those books. I, that's so funny for a librarian and someone who went to school for English. I didn't read for a long time. Yeah. Especially as a kid and like an adolescent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but something about these Oprah's book club books, like they were just complicated enough, mm. but still accessible that like I could read them and be challenged and yeah. confused, but not enough to be bored or put off by them. They really hit a good sweet spot for me. Yeah. I think too, like I kind of missed a little bit of like the hype surrounding the Oprah book clubs. Like I wasn't really, I mean, I didn't start seriously reading until I was in like my mid twenties. Um, so I think now like I'm almost desensitized to it, but I remember like, even though I didn't partake in it, when a book got the Oprah book club, like sticker, it was huge. I mean, I think nowadays, like, you know, you have so many of like the Reese book club and Oprah and, you know, everyone. And Jenna Bush. Don't forget Jenna Bush, my favorite oh. celebrity book club. I had no idea. Um, (laughs) Big big fan of reading with Jenna. (laughs) I've only read two of them, but it's two more than I've read of Reese Witherspoon. So, so funny. Um, Yeah. They were like a huge deal when that would happen. Like if Oprah put her sticker on a book, it was major. Oprah like saved publishing, like Oprah literacy, like Oprah saved reading. Like (laughs) the only reason people read in the nineties was because of Oprah. Yeah. Yeah. Does she still like have her book club, like actively chooses books for it? She, I don't know if she does like one a year or like oh, okay. when she feels like it. Yeah. It, it's not because I think it used to be monthly or bi monthly. I think it was monthly. Yeah. And then she retired that in like the around 2010, I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's still a few that pop up here and there. Yeah. Yeah. So I know like I know Reese Witherspoon is like constantly, I feel like, you know, every time I check in a new batch of books, something has Reese's name on it. Or maybe I'm just like, hyper fixated on it oh, there's but... so many of hers yeah and yeah. like what does she do what's the club because like oprah the thing with oprah's book club is she would go to the author's house mm, and then like yeah. and then the her crew would restage the author's house <laughs> i was hearing stories about authors later talking yeah. about how oprah's crew would come in with like a different couch and like just totally redo their whole living room <laughs> that's so funny but yeah, they would come in, they would talk to the author, they right. would have like audience chats, like it was a yeah. book club. What the right. does Reese Witherspoon do? Yeah, she just reads the book and is like, this is good. And what what did she, where the crawdads sing? Nobody right. cares about that. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, anyway. I, I love Reese Witherspoon, <laughs> I feel so bad, but like... <laughs> Book <laughs> compared to Oprah. <laughs> I, I like her. I think she's a total asshole, but in, I, oh. I bet it. So, so I like when she plays an asshole, like in Big yeah. Little Lies or whatever. So yeah. Yeah. I'm sure she can, she can take it, you know, if yeah. she, oh yeah, she's, she's listening to this, you know, she's got thick Southern skin. <laughs> <laughs> she does. <laughs> 
So also in the movie, we have um, Tandaway Newton Mm -hmm. um, as Beloved, which is just like the hardest role in the movie. Yeah. I'm just really speechless about her because it's like the character is written as something unlike anything else. And just playing that is so difficult, I feel like. And this is where, again, I almost want like... I wish it had been made 10 years later where I don't know what they could have done, but something to make her more ab human or there was that phrase yeah. we talked, I think it was ab human. We the phrase we talked about months ago. Yeah. Um, and cause sometimes like a no fault of her own, she's doing a phenomenal job. But yeah, sometimes it's hard just to not see her acting, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Stuff well, Cause like, it's like you said, like, yeah, I wish there had just been something you know, that wasn't up to her to get the point across because, you know, you really have to rely on like the way she speaks, which can be hard. (laughs) I don't know. It's, it's a little um, hard to watch. It, it definitely took me out of the movie a little bit, like her speaking, but again, like she, I really think was doing the best she could with it. Um, And it's one of those characters where I think you know, it's not easy to read about. That's not what I'm trying to say, but it's something that can be written about, but harder to translate as just a person. So yeah, when they, I don't know if this was a book that they ever talked about being like unfilmable, like some mm. books do, but especially with that character, it's just, yeah. I don't know how they, how they pull it off. And yeah, I think yeah. the way he framed, he just films her like, any other character and I yeah. feel like maybe if there had been I don't know odd angles or different lighting mm. or something that made her seem otherworldly it would have been more right um, right more successful yeah like I'm sure we'll get into it in the plot summary and everything but like she definitely is a very unsettling character but it's I think it could have been done better to absolutely no fault of hers because yeah. oh she's an she's incredible actress pulling it out yeah. yeah she has to do so much yeah um and then we have danny glover who is not an actor that like i'm very familiar with he was no. big in like lethal weapon yeah in, and like I, I know i'm gonna say this out loud and it'll be taken out of context someday when i'm famous but like <laughs> as a child growing up in mississippi and not understanding the difference between certain black people. Yeah. I thought he was Winston and Ghostbusters for the longest time. <laughs> to be fair, <sighs> I mean, I do think it's not just race. I think they look alike and they have similar it's, like it's also attitudes. not my fault that like the two that Hollywood only had two black men yes. of that, like age and stature. Yes. <laughs> like, there were only the yeah. two of them. Absolutely. <laughs> I I I deny all blame for that. Yeah, yeah. But oh my I have goodness. seen I have since seen Predator too, which is awful, but he's I was in that. gonna say I thought he was in Predator, yeah. 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 And he has this very voluptuous behind that we get to see yes. in, a, in a rear nudity portion of the film. Yeah, I was like, whoop, he's sick. Two oh two my two C's. God, like literally double cheeked up. Oh, I'm like that. Now I see why Oprah is into him. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I get it. I get it, girl. <laughs> yes. They have a few very sweaty love scenes throughout yes. the movie. Yeah. 
So let's get into the plot summary. Mm-hmm. Um, so we open in Ohio, 1865. Mm-hmm. And we see a gravestone. It just says Beloved on it. And we're told we're at the house at 124 Bluestone Road. Mm-hmm. And like the first thing we see is a dog get thrown against the wall and its yeah. eye pops out. Oh, it's so bad. I couldn't, I had to look away. I'm the, I had to rewind because I was like, is that what's really happening? Like, yeah. is that, what is that? Yeah. I could not believe it. Yes. So shit's flying all over this house and the there's two boys, they run away. Mm-hmm. And then we're told it's 1873. Um, conveniently for us math deprived people, it says eight <laughs> years later. Okay. Thank you. So <laughs> the <laughs> I just imagine a producer being like, um, can we say how many years later it is? Yeah. Like, we don't want people having to count this early are, in the film. Those are big numbers. Those are big numbers. See, seeing the dog with its eye popped out fine, but we don't want people to have to <laughs> count to eight. No. So the poor dog is limping around and has like a foggy, foggy eye. Yeah. Um, and Oprah's at this pump washing her legs. We'll later learn that she's um, played this, she's playing the woman, Setha, who's the lead of the movie. Mm-hmm. And Danny Glover shows up, he plays Paul D. They haven't seen each other in 18 years. Mm-hmm. And he's shown up at this house, which was originally owned by an older woman named Baby Suggs. Mm-hmm. And which was very confusing for me that her name was Baby and she was an older woman. <laughs> yes, me. I only knew that because I'd read the book. Like I remember the yeah. character names and the relationships from the book. Yeah. Um, except I didn't remember who she was. And we don't find out until later. Mm. If we knew at this point, it wasn't clear to me. But so um, Setha's children are by Hallie, who was a fellow slave who she uh, married. And mm-hmm. um, Baby Suggs is his, Hallie's mother. And he worked hard to buy her freedom. Yeah. So when Paul D walks into this house, this red light shines on him. Yeah. It's just a light. It's just a red light bulb. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, ambience. (laughs) And that's a representation of the evil in the house. Mm -hmm. And so Setha says that it's not evil. It's just sad. And we get this glimpse of some bodies in a mud and a woman behind a door. But we don't know what that is until much, much later. So she invites him over for dinner. He will, uh, at least three times during the scene, he takes a drink mm-hmm. and goes, ah. <laughs> Thirsty. <laughs> it's such a choice. Ah. He does it like, does it multiple times. Um, <laughs> so Setha introduces her to her daughter, Denver, mm-hmm. who's played by Kimberly Elise, who is a woman that looks so familiar, even though I have no idea what I know her from. I went through her whole filmography. Mm. No idea where the hell I have ever seen her. But um, <clears throat> she's like not happy that this man is in the house. Yeah. They are both slaves who have run away from a plantation called Sweet Home. Mm-hmm. And she says, how come everybody who run away from Sweet Home can't stop talking about it? <laughs> <laughs> Which is really funny. <laughs> so um, there we we're getting a lot of character development here. Mm-hmm. Um, including a flashback to this like brutal rape and beating yeah. um, of Setha when she was on the farm. Um, so the the like slave driver's name, they just called him school teacher. Yeah. There seemed to be some owners who were like not, I mean, but beyond the fact that they own slaves, yeah. and let this 
happen. Like directly, they were nice people. Like they gave Seth the earrings and they like let them get quote unquote married on the plant. They, they treat them like dolls as opposed Mm. to like animals. Yeah. Um, But school teacher. Yeah. School teacher and his sons. One of them is played by Wes Bentley. Um, (laughs) Did you recognize him? No. Who's wait, who's Wes Bentley? He was the, did you ever see American beauty? Um, Yes. He's the boy in that. And he's like in a hunger game. Oh my God. Yes. He's one of the, like, there's like six actors who look like this. Yes. <laughs> he oh, has very so like angry eyes. Yes. Yes. He has like intense eyebrows. Yeah. 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 He was in a hunger game. That's funny. Oh my God. I did not I recognize him. Oh, it took me totally out of the scene. I was like, that's Wes Bentley. He have, <laughs> this must have been one of his first roles because American Beauty wasn't until the next year. Mm. But, um, so, you know, we get that flashback and we learn she's got this terribly scarred back from being mm. beaten. Um, and so Paul D, though, is very kind to her and he caresses yeah. her. He kisses the scarred back. But that angers this poltergeist that's in the mm-hmm. house, which like fucks up the kitchen. <laughs> and so Paul D starts. He wants to seek work. Um, he helps Setha out around the house. He's always singing and Denver hates that he's singing. Mm hmm. Um, and then like someone, we get this shot of a woman in a, like an all black funeral dress, wheezing, kind of like I am right now, staggering <laughs> out of a river and like, she's covered in beetles. They're on yeah. her face and her eyelashes. Um, and this is Tandaway Newton. So we'll learn that this is this character of, of beloved, yeah. but <clears throat> nobody in the house sees this. We only see this as the audience. Mm-hmm. So when the family, the family goes to the fair to like have fun and then they come back and they find this woman outside and Setha has to run off and like pee like nobody's business. Violently pee. (laughs) Like so much pee. Go piss girl. I remember that being a big conversation point when we talked about this book in college. Um, And so it's according to my American lit professor, symbolic of her water breaking. Oh, interesting. Yes. Since we'll learn that this is the reincarnation of her dead daughter. Yeah. So she tells them her name is Beloved. She's very wheezy and she spells it out. They, A, L. And she spells out her name. Mm -hmm. And she talks like that for, again, this is a three hour movie for like an hour before. And she normalizes, but never quite. Yes. And it's creepy. Like it, it almost sounds like they imposed a voice over, um, uh, Dendway. Like it's, it sounds like, um, Reagan in the exorcist. Oh yeah. And it makes me yeah. think of, um, Lupita Nyong'o and us. Like, <gasps> yeah. I wonder if she watched this to like study that, that kind of raspy <laughs> yes. horse, horsey horse voice. Yeah. Um, Paul D is like suspicious of this girl because mm. she doesn't have walking feet. You know, she looks, yes. she looks, you know, young and fresh and unscarred. Right. Um, and she like, all she wants to eat is carbs, which like same. Mm. Yes. Um, she soils the bed. Yeah. Um, there's a really funny scene where she tries to just eat a live baby chick. <laughs> she puts it in her mouth. Yeah. I'm like, oh no. I'm like, Tandaway's going to get salmonella from that. <gasps> She oh should not God. put that chick in her mouth. Yeah. 
So I hope she was okay. Um, <laughs> and then like, she, she says to Setha, I help you make bread. <laughs> and so there, she gets her to like share stories about her family and like yeah. her, her mother that she shares with them. Right. And so Paul D tries to get some information out of her. Mm-hmm. Um, but she gets so beloved, gets so stressed out that she pukes all over the place. Mm. Um, and eventually like Denver and beloved are in the attic yep. and I forget how Denver realizes that beloved is the, the her, her older sister who yeah. has died when she was a baby. Yeah. Um, and we get this whole flashback to when Setha gave birth to her. And so I don't know why they have her played by another woman. Um, like, yeah, because it's not that long ago. Like, Right. It's not like she's a child. Like, it's supposed to be, eight, it's supposed to be like, what, 18 years. But even yeah. so, it could still be Oprah. Right. Like, I don't yeah. know why it's a different person. Yeah. Um, but so she's played by Lisa Gay Hamilton, who I know from The Practice. Hmm. Um, and so she meets this crazy white woman who is mm-hmm. like given heavy Pennsylvania from Orange is the New Black vibes. Yes. Yeah. So this woman, I looked up this actress because she looked familiar, um, but turned out she's not familiar to me at all. But her name is Kes- Kesha, Kesia, K E S S I A, Kesha Embry. Mm. She is Ethan Embry's sister. Ethan Embry. That sounds really familiar. He was big in the, in the nineties as like a child actor. Oh um, yeah. Yes. Oh, from empire records. Yes. That's so funny. And she posts like, she's has a few sexy pictures of her brother on her Instagram page, which I found interesting. Wow. Wow. She's really, she took them too. It's like, here's some photos of, of my bro. And he's just like shirtless and like, like looking very hot. Oh my God. Maybe I'll have to follow her. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she's like, she's acting to 11 here. She's in a totally different movie. Um, But she helps um, Setha give birth and, gets her to the river where she's able to go across the river to Ohio, to Cincinnati. No one's ever loved Cincinnati more than these people. And like, when I think of Ohio, I don't know what I think about, but I don't realize that it's North of the Mason Dixon line. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I just, I would think they had slaves in Ohio. Like if you just asked me. It's funny because I, when I was watching this movie, when I realized it took, takes place in Ohio, cause they established that pretty early in like the, the first scene. Um, I was like, oh shoot. Like we were going to talk about this in terms of Southern Gothic. Like, I don't know if I consider Ohio's like the South. And it's so bizarre because, well, first of all, I looked up Cincinnati because I did not know where that was on a map. I didn't realize it's right on the border of Kentucky. And I okay. highly consider Kentucky the South. Like I feel like even though Kentucky is like middle of the country, it's like the most South state. Like oh yes. So it's I don't know. I Ohio is a I mean, I think it's been said to death on the internet, but like Ohio's fucking weird, man. Just what is it? Is it the South? Is it the North? Is it Midwest? 
it's its own it's like the worst of everything I think I have only been through Ohio once Mm -hmm. and I was driving from Mississippi to New England and Mm. both of the car accidents I came I narrowly avoided (laughs) were were in Ohio so I don't have a high opinion of Ohio drivers from that I don't know six to eight hours I spent in their state (laughs) sorry but it's better than Kentucky when when I crossed the border into Kentucky I love Mm. stopping at the like state rest area yeah because they're always very clean and like the people are nice right you at the Kentucky rest area from I, I, I was going from Nashville you there <laughs> there's a big rock and it has a plaque on it that says like and it's got a list of all the different years and mm-hmm. then numbers of how many people that year died in automotive fatalities and oh I'm just God. like wow, welcome to Kentucky you're gonna die on the road Oh my Thanks. God, why would they <laughs> advertise that? <laughs> it's the least welcome I've ever felt, which is saying a lot because I've been to these welcome centers in Alabama, yeah. Georgia, yeah. Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, Texas, and this is the least welcome oh I God. have ever felt. Yeah. So, but right, then so- I, I, Kentucky, fine. I guess yeah. people see that number and they drive carefully. <laughs> Um, and then they and get then to they, Ohio and they're like, now we're going to run into you off the road. <laughs> because no one will count us if we die here. <laughs> we don't count them. We don't <laughs> count you. You won't even be a statistic. <laughs> so, Horrifying. Yeah. So fuck Ohio. It was nice yeah. in the 1800s. Not anymore. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so back, um, back at beloved's time. Yeah. Um, Setha takes the girls to like pay tribute to baby Suggs. Mm -hmm. She has these um, earrings that were like uh, made of crystal. Beloved wants to see the diamonds. I don't know if that's now or later, Um, but it does come up where she, where she got them. They were given to her by the plantation owner's Mm -hmm. wife. Um, But anyway, back at the house. Um, this is when Paul D's in the little, he's in this little um, tin tub in the kitchen, like very small, you know, <laughs> Yeah. He stands up and it's like, damn, son, like, boom, boom, like three, beloved 3D win, you know, like, <laughs> man, it, that ass. So yeah. um, they have their little, they're like, you know, you hear them moaning and giggling off screen yep. and. Beloved hears this and runs off and mm-hmm. we get this really bizarre scene where <laughs> she and Denver watch these two turtles mating. It's a long scene too. Are the turtles real or are they puppets? Like, is someone moving them? Like they look like puppets. Like they're they do kind of like puppets. But <laughs> I've also seen turtles doing that and they kind of look like puppets because they're just like so juddy is the only word I can think of like they were just so coordinated and choreographed (laughs) and like how long did they one these turtles are puppets or two how many hours of footage do they have of these turtles before they got like the cut that they wanted for this movie oh I'm just imagining some poor like talent scout having to go out to this creek and just wait for like hours (laughs) 
and call PETA to like make sure they're not yeah. hurting the turtles. Right. They're like, well, I guess they wouldn't have a smartphone, but they're like searching like turtle aphrodisiacs, like <laughs> sprinkling it into the water. <laughs> yeah, leaving, I don't know what lavender or something. I don't know what you <laughs> what you serve them. Crushed up by but... in the water. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was huge in the 90s. People yeah. love Viagra. That's true. But yeah, that goes on for a while. <laughs> Um, and so we noticed that like beloved has a scar on her throat. This is when mm-hmm. I first noticed it. The camera really focuses on it. Mm-hmm. And then we get to like, where Paul D's sleeping a lot. It's something weird is happening to yeah. him. And then beloved comes to him in the shed and she says, I want you to touch me on the inside part and call yeah. my name. Mm-hmm. She keeps saying, touch me on the inside part. Yep. And so she kind of like, I mean, he does it, but yeah. like under duress, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then this red light starts emanating from the, he's in like some sort of storage shed. Yeah. Um, and Denver sees the red light. Right. And then Paul D immediately feels guilty for this. Yeah. Um, and he's rehearsing how to tell Setha what he did, but he can't bring himself to do it. Mm-hmm. So he says he wants to have a baby with her. Yeah. Um, and she just cracks up. I know, because she's like, I'm too old for this. Yeah. There's a pretty scene where it snows, though. And then mm. he's very, he's just, you know, he's happy. and But he's working with these other men, um, at like a stockyard type place, maybe a mm-hmm. slaughterhouse or some pigs. Um, and one of the men says to him, well, just because you can't see the chains doesn't mean they're not there. And as mm-hmm. long as the world is white, that's where we're staying to kind of talk him out of having a, a child. Yeah. So we also we don't really understand. I, I forgot to mention there's a scene early on where like people are looking at Setha weird and we don't yeah. understand why she's like a pariah. And right. I guess I thought it was just because she lived in a haunted house. Yeah, but, I did too. But then we get the we get the flashback in which we learn that the school teacher and Wes Bentley and the other one came to collect her and her kids because she is still their property. So she sees them and to keep them from taking her children, mm-hmm. she takes them into the shed and she murders them. Yeah. Um and so Beloved is the one who she cut her, the baby's throat with a saw. Yeah. Um, and she's basically about to like strike Denver's head on the mm-hmm. wall when they come in and grab her. Yeah. And the two boys are in a puddle of blood on the floor. Yeah. And school teacher starts crying, not because of the humanity, but because he's just lost all of this property. Yeah. Um, and he calls her an animal and he spits on the ground. Um, and then it turned out the boys somehow survived. Like they're, they yeah. survived to later run away. Cause they're the ones we saw run away at the beginning and we never right. see them again. I had to search if like they did actually live or if like that was like a figment of like you yeah. know, the grandmother or Setha's imagination or something. As far as I could tell. I did too. They did actually live they did actually grow up to then run away, but yeah, I, cause um, I think I only realized it cause Paul D mentions it later. Mm. I think that like, you didn't even save them. They still ran away or something. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Right. 
So because at first I was like, oh, they were ghosts too. Right, right. But yeah, no, that is a very, I mean, I think it goes without saying, difficult scene. It's bloody and gruesome. And they really like they do not shy away from sort of showing it and leaning into the emotion. It's it's a hard watch. I think that's like the pivotal moment of the whole story. Mm. And it's yeah. the one I completely forgot about. Yeah. Totally forgot that happened when I was watching this. So I was really shocked. Yeah. Um, and then Paul D makes this big mistake where he says, you got two feet, Setha, not four, mm. which it's like, dude, your one job is to support her. Like yeah. no matter what she's been through. So she's just like, fuck you. She, you know, kicks him out of the house. Right, right. She then hears Beloved humming a song that she made up. So mm-hmm. now, she, and then she sees the scar on her neck. So now she's realized who Beloved is finally. Mm-hmm. So to like celebrate this, she goes to town. She takes all, she wears this very pretty shawl. Um, and she takes all their money to go and like buy streamers and ribbon and treats to have like a yeah. house party. She gets fired from her job. The reasons why she got fired, <laughs> I found really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Especially that the potato salad was too sweet. Too sweet, which honestly, fireable offense. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get know, it. Yeah. I know. I was like, what is she doing to it? There shouldn't yeah. be any sugar in it, period. <laughs> so um, with one of the guys at the fabric shop, the actor's name is Paul Lazar. He's this cross-eyed actor mm. that I know very vividly from Silence of the Lambs. And I guess he's in all of Jonathan Demme's movies. I was looking him up. Um, Yeah. He's one of the scientists that hits on Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs. that's so funny. So back at home, once the party's kind of died down and there's no more sweets, Beloved pitches a fit. She, we start hearing these insect buzzing noises. She's, clawing at her neck until it bleeds and mm. she rips up baby Suggs quilt which is really upsetting um and she does it just to like spite Denver so we're getting this like she's a child in a grown woman's body yeah. thing because she wants sugar and she's pitching a fit and just mm-hmm. you know the whole house though is going to shit like the steps are broken and the roof has a hole in it yep. like it's a mess so Denver goes out looking for work and when the community hears that they're struggling, they finally start to come around and care for them. So they leave them food um, and they all have a meeting about what to do about this. One of the women says, well, I guess she had it coming a little. (laughs) 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 That that cracked me up. I was like, oh, that's funny. She's hardcore. but all the women like band together and they show up and they're like chanting and screaming and crying and waving crosses and singing. And Setha brings beloved outside and she's like naked and pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Is it supposed to be Paul D's baby? Is it, what is she, how is she pregnant? Yeah. And she's like, I do very, not know. I, you know, they don't say how much time has passed, but she's very pregnant. She's like six, seven, eight months pregnant. I would say she's right. You know, final trimester. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that because yeah, it can't be that long because like Setha hasn't even been eating. Like she couldn't still be alive if it's been that long. Right. Um, so Denver has been working for this 
um, white family in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And the man rides up, this old white guy. And since like all old white men look the same, I'm saying this is someone who will one day be an old white man. <laughs> like, I hope I can look like this. There's like yeah. a look yes. that I, one of the things that I hate the most about COVID being over is like, I had to see old white men's faces again. Yeah, seriously. I loved when they were covered up. And then right. I, I still vividly remember the first time I saw an old white guy after like two years <laughs> without a mask, just like, mouth hanging open yeah like mouth breathing just like (sighs) yeah and And because they usually have nice eyes and eyebrows old old white men have amazing eyebrows usually but (sighs) i know we talked about scorsese's eyebrows i know that's my goal right right yeah but usually you know there's something going on in the lower half everything from the eyebrows down what the fuck happened (laughs) like i just don't understand so <laughs> this guy rides up and I, I thought it was old school teacher too. So I don't know if mm. they made the same actor, you know, I'm not sure, mm. but like, uh, Setha thinks it's school teacher come yeah. to, to get her kids again. And so she runs after him with an ice pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and they managed to like tackle her down. Cause it's actually old Mr. Bodwin who Denver's working for. Yeah. And then like, yeah, then beloved just starts howling and she disappears. Poof. Yeah. Literally the blanket is there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, we talked about it before this because I wanted to clarify. So I didn't look stupid on the podcast, but I was like, did I, is she she just gone? Like, what did I miss? Like I had to have missed something. (laughs) I think I rewound that part too. Yeah. Cause I was like, did they say something? Is there, what is this? Alakazam, anything. Yeah. And I can't remember from the book if they just don't talk about it or what. Because mm. we looked up I, some literary analysis of the ending <laughs> of the book. Yeah. And one uh, article I read, which I'll, I'll look up, I'll link to in our show notes because I didn't uh, know who wrote it, but um, talked about with Beloved being this personification, not just of Seth's dead daughter, but of like all of the horrors of slavery kind of rolled into right. one person. Her disappearance could be like seen one of two ways that they've put this behind her, like they're trying to heal and move on, mm. or that they're just not going to talk about it right and pretend it never happened yeah yeah so you could see it one of two ways and like setha is upset by this um we flash forward i don't know how long denver's in this very cute dress Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she bumps into paul d in town and she says that she thinks she lost her mama not like in a literal way but like that she's lost her mind yeah um but she says that he should go visit her sometime and so he goes to see her and she's crying that she lost her quote best thing. Mm. And he told her that, that she's her best thing. Like it's Which is very sweet. It's very sweet. This is what he should have done in the first place. Yeah. Like, you know, take care of yourself. Right. Um, and then we get this very bizarre speech from baby Suggs to end the movie where she talks <laughs> about, you should love your heart more than your lungs or your private parts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which like okay <laughs> i'll try like put that put that on a hallmark card i yeah. guess <laughs> it's so strange i wish someone gave me that card when i got diagnosed with hypertension <laughs> <laughs> if only you'd loved your heart more than your private oh. cards uh, and then the said. um and then the subtitles just said children singing in foreign language mm-hmm 
And I was like, what is this? Like, who, Whoville? It sounds like, da boo, da re, da boo. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. That's racist. But, um, <laughs> but like the subtitles just say, like, you can't look yeah. it up. Like, what language right. is this? Yes. It's probably real language. Exactly. Uh, but um, the camera pans out. Children are singing in a foreign language. And like, mm-hmm. I guess Paul D's been helping out because like the house looks cute again. It's, they've mm-hmm. repaired the steps and everything. I think that's a good wrap up. Excellent. So we will take a short break and then we'll be back with our Gothic recap and we'll decide, is it Gothic? All right, ghosties, we're back with our Gothic recap. As you know, all Gothic films have four elements, a girl, a guy, a house, and a haunt. Our girl for beloved I think it's Denver. Mm. And I say this because our gothic girl is normally drawn into something uh, beyond her control. She's been born, you know, and in, in she she's like the first descendant of someone who was raised in slavery. Yeah. Um, she's the first free person. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the movie were framed differently, it could, of course, definitely be Setha. But in this case, I think it's it's Denver. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think Denver, I I don't know that I've really consumed a piece of like media that has focused on someone who like that first couple of years after sort of after quote unquote slavery. I mean, there's some, you know, overlap with the years and whatever, but like, you know, this specific time period and focusing on specifically characters who like Setha has, you know, suffered at the hands of slavery and then a child who technically she's never known slavery. She was literally born like minutes after. Um, And I think it, you know, a lot of our Gothic girls sort of have to, you know, it's such an annoying trope that I hate to even say it, but, you know, sort of suffer for growth you know, these females are often put in situations where they did not cause any suffering, but they're put in that. And then through that, they grow. And I think that happened a lot with Denver. I mean, literally she, you know, we didn't really talk about it, but she was this like very antisocial. Well, she wasn't antisocial. She wanted to leave the house at the beginning. Um, You know, she was upset with her mother for, you know, I'm assuming she was very overprotective, didn't really want her to leave the house. Setha didn't want to move out of the house um, because even though it was haunted, she felt like it was their home. Um, And, but you see throughout the movie, obviously she literally and figuratively grows. She, you know, gains some confidence. She sort of goes through that heartbreak with you know, she thought she had a sister finally, you know, she thought her sister was back. It's actually really heartbreaking when you think of it. Like, I know if like I was in that situation, obviously very unheard of, but like, you know, you think you have a sister, especially she's been isolated for so many years and then she loses that and her mother really. So I agree. I think that she is a good titular girl. Yeah. And like you said, she, she didn't leave the house. And I think mm-hmm. the way the movie's framed, I, I didn't 
it's not quite clear. I think at some point, like, I don't know, two hours into the movie, Baldi <laughs> says, you've never let her leave. Whereas yeah. I'm just like assuming like, oh, we've only seen the parts of the, you know, the <laughs> yeah. story where they're there. But yeah, so she has been very overprotected. And that's another gothic quality where the girl is trapped in a house. Yeah. And we do get to see her. She finally does leave. She finds a job outside the house. She really does save the family. She's the yeah. one who puts in the work to save them and move them forward mm -hmm. by freeing herself from the house. Yeah. So with that in mind, that's why I think the guy is Setha in this case. Mm. We've talked before how like the guy and girl are not gendered terms and the guy yep. is normally the person that lures the girl into the house and keeps them trapped there. Mm. So even though there wasn't like a lure in this case, like Setha is keeping her trapped in this house. Yeah. She thinks it's for the best, but the results are still the same. Right. Well, and something too that I meant to touch on when we were talking about the, you know, awful scene about her um, killing her child, you know, um, is that I think what makes it even more shocking is that up until that point, even though Setha is sort of keeping Denver, you know, secluded, you know, she's, she has sort of these like faults. She's very much framed as like a great mother. Like she's mm -hmm. very caring and loving towards Denver um, so I think that makes her like a really interesting gothic guy because I would, you know, even in the case of, you know, some of our gothic guys, they quote unquote love the girl, but it's actually like very malicious and it's like awful. Right. And, like I do, obviously I think she genuinely loves her daughter and cares for her and wants what's best for her. So, um, it's very interesting. Yeah. She's very sympathetic for sure. Yeah. And it is interesting that like, especially with the movie and her being one of the first characters we meet and being played mm. by Oprah, like yeah, you yeah. think she's going to be the main character and she is for part of it. But I, once the movie reaches a certain point, you know, mm. she really does fade into the background and it becomes yeah. more about Denver and Setha does kind of start deteriorating and becoming crazy yeah. in the way that the Gothic guys sometimes do obsessive, obsessive yeah. over this one uh, in this case, beloved, this one person and kind of giving everything to her at the expense of everything else. Right. Yeah. She so, becomes almost yeah. like manic. Yeah. Yeah. So we do have our house that we're mm -hmm. trapped in for most of the movie. It's the house at 124 Bluestone Road. Mm -hmm. I was trying to remember again, my American lit class and talking <laughs> about this, the symbolism of the house number. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something about like, one, two, four, being like, I don't know, there's Setha there, or Baby Suggs, Setha, and then like, I don't know, Beloved's number three, and she's not there. That's why it's one, two, four. That seems oh, like a stretch to me, and I'm probably okay. wrong, but yeah, that seemed like one of those like, mm, sure, whatever you say. Right. Right, right, right. Um, if that's what you say, I'll remember that and write it down on the test, but I don't really <laughs> believe it. Yeah. Um, but I like, I love this cute little house. It's such a yes. cute little farmhouse with a little it porch is. and yeah can i say something and it might be insensitive please well maybe not insensitive i built this house on sims after i watched this movie it was so <laughs> cute <laughs> that was fast i i can't yeah. build things in the sims that's amazing oh i only build in the sims i don't play with the characters i only build um and oh my god because i'm i won't go into i could talk about sims for hours we'll do a whole 
that's so gothic on the sims on the, on the goth I mean, family the goth family oh my yeah. god we have to but mortimer um, goth i'm like building up a whole neighborhood in every single plot like i want to be something very different and so this is like my affordable farmhouse option oh. it's so cute i mean you don't get like i had to play around with the floor plan a lot obviously you don't get like you know some pov shot throughout the whole house but it's just so homey and sweet and it's you know i think it's really indicative of like setha like it's yeah it's cozy it's kind of small it might be like a little suffocating if you're stuck there yeah um but it's lovely i love it's so cute i love after she kind of goes manic and she's tying all the fabric like to the um stair railing and stuff like it, it's just i love that i love that so much <laughs> Yeah, the, that made me realize like there's not a lot of color in the movie because yes. there wouldn't have been at the time. Like even her her very nice clothes are still mm. like earth tones. And so when yeah. they get these jewel toned ribbons and everything, it is really, right. it makes it really special because they're the color palette for the whole movie is very muted. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even think of that. That's probably why it like caught my attention so much and I enjoyed seeing it on screen. Yeah, and and the house um, deteriorates kind of with the family's mm. mental state. You know, the house kind of kind of falls and then builds itself back up at the end. Yeah. Um, so this house, there was a facade, like an exterior shell, that was built in Maryland, mm. in Cecil County, Maryland, on the Fair Hill Natural Resource Management Area. Huh. <laughs> um. It's um, this article in the Baltimore Sun writes about it and says this is a field normally where hay is grown and sold as mulch to Pennsylvania mushroom growers. Oh, so after Beloved wrapped, people started visiting to go to the see the set. Um, oh. So they would sit on the porch and they could go you could go into the barn because they had like blood stains on the floor yeah from when the kids were killed and everything oh and God. then like you could see like because it is a set so right. where it looks like there's vines growing up on it you could see uh -huh. them like how they were stapled <laughs> to the wall so funny. You know, stuff you don't see in the film yeah and so the, the like I don't know if it's like the economic development of this town or whatever yeah wanted to preserve it as a right. tourist attraction um, but they knew that like, it was supposed to be demolished and it was demolished pretty quickly because it wouldn't have held up anyway. Right. It wasn't built to hold up. Yeah. Um, but there's a, you can find this whole file in the Maryland Inventory of Historic Properties, which is part oh. of the Maryland Historic Trust, where yeah. they documented everything about this house. There's pictures of it. There is a little floor plan that you can look oh. up if you want to work on your Sims house. Yes, I'll send you the, I'll send you the PDF. And um, they wrote this paragraph about it, which I found really amusing, where they're supposed to describe its historical significance. And it says, the movie set, and movie set is capitalized, the movie set is significant for its association with the motion picture business in Hollywood, California. The famous actors, Oprah Winfrey and Danny Glover have starred in the production due for release in late 1998. Aww. This set is an example of how the movie business 
today shifts production to locales other than the movie lots of Southern California. And it shows the extent to which set designers can completely alter a landscape, one with no structures on it to suit their needs. The set also has a certain historical significance and that the log structures are actual historic structures. Oh. That just, it sounds like me trying to write a grant that's due tomorrow. Like, right, like, yeah. Like, I, I love like, it. It just sounds like so like wholesome and cute. I know, you know? it's so precious. So oh. I love that like, this was so important. And in a way it, it's true, you know, like yeah. it, it became the significant thing for this community in this very brief period of time. Right, and right. I like that they were able to capture that. Oh, good for Maryland. For, I know, and it's in Maryland. I know, Why? Right? We're just I talking know. so much shit on Ohio, but like Maryland, we're like, oh, good job, well, little Maryland. Isn't it Ohio? Even they didn't want to build this there That's in Ohio. That's true, Yeah. <laughs> And so then the interiors, though, were like on a soundstage in mm. California, but the, all the exterior and the farm and everything was was yeah. in Maryland. Oh. Um, so then last but not least, we have our haunt, mm-hmm. which is Beloved, who, yep. as we said, representative of all of the horrors of American slavery, which yeah. d- we need not even, d- we're not even yeah. equipped to discuss. No. So, no. Um, but terrible. Yeah. And but but as you said, I I liked what you said about this being one of the first things you saw that took place like right at this time. Yeah. And I'm assuming that's also the significance of the novel as well. Right. And maybe give some credence to that article I mentioned earlier about um beloved disappearing because they've chosen to forget about it. Yeah. And you know, the way of healing and tamping it down works, but yeah. also has this cultural impact of like us forgetting the horrors of slavery. And so, you know, so Toni Morrison through her book was able to fit, you know, show what it was like and how terrible it was. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think it's even more, well, I shouldn't say more important, but it's very important to tell these stories of what happens after slavery, because, you know, it really highlights the trauma, obviously, that Mm -hmm. former slaves, people who were enslaved, have to live with, and then how that literally passes. I mean, this one, it's like literally passes on to their children, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so people who, you know, we work in the public sector. I've had a conversation with someone who's been like, why do we keep bringing it up? You know, just let the past be the past. I'm sure a lot of people have had that conversation because the past is never really the past. Like it always lingers. And obviously it's not going to be in this physical, literal way of your dead child comes back to haunt you, but wheezing at us. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But like, it's, if you understand that it's passing, you know, Denver, who you could consider to be sort of the well-adjusted one at the end of this. I mean, she still has to live with this trauma and this you know knowing about all of this horrible stuff that happened so I I I am really shocked that I feel like there isn't a lot of media that sort of I mean it's probably incredibly difficult to write so I think again I haven't read the book or at least in a while so uh, like obviously kudos to Toni Morrison I'm not, (laughs) not like a Tony Morrison, good author. Whoa, whoa, hot take. <laughs> I know. But like also, I would personally say 
you know, impressive take, you know, capturing it in a movie. Right. And, and I think like the, unfortunately the movie's um, poor financial success mm. yes. definitely didn't help more stories like this getting produced, at least for film. Um, yeah. And yeah, like, as you said, especially the, these days, even though we are like, as you said, aware of like trauma, I do think the story was really ahead of its time. Yes. Now we, cause they never even use that word. Yeah. Um, whereas if this were made today, I feel like they would, you know, and, yeah. and make it clear that we're, you know, these trauma informed experiences and these childhood traumatic events. But like, especially today, that like we acknowledge trauma, but like, it's not in media. So even yeah. like a book, you know, isn't going to get released because it's also not going to be financially successful. You know, who's going right. to, want to read about that so it is it is unfortunate you know we're kind yeah. of i don't know if we don't if we do let th these last these last two copies of beloved we have to hang yes. on to them oh my god i'm gonna buy a copy for our and also like side note it's even sort of more impressive that there's only two copies in the consortium but because i know like for me i've always been told to try to keep book adaptations on hand <gasps> this is a book adaptation yeah, right so, uh, yikes. Yeah. I'm buying a copy for our library. Um, it's interesting and, that, yeah, this, this is the one that's fading away. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I think when you told me about this movie or we, you know, found it for, cause we're kind of doing this Southern, um, Gothic kick. Um, I don't think I knew about it, or at least if I did, you know, it was only very vaguely. I'm genuinely surprised this isn't a more popular movie i mean it's definitely not perfect but there's some really like great unsettling parts um i mean obviously a very powerful story i think the acting is great i wonder if a lot of people sort of have like you know i think the big issue that we kind of already addressed is um the um, interpretation of beloved i wonder if a lot of like modern audiences kind of have trouble with that um but either way, I mean, I just think it's incredible. Like, could it have been maybe like a smidge shorter? You know, I think they were really trying to be very dedicated to the book. You know, maybe, but still really good. Yeah, I wonder if they'll ever try to make it into like a Netflix mm. limited series, like something longer. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I feel like there's only one scene that, and I'm probably getting it totally wrong, that I remembered from the book. And I was thinking of it when you were talking about how hard it must've been for Denver to like lose her sister. Mm. Um, I feel like there's a scene in the book near the time where it snows, where they like, they go out and they play in the snow together or they they are able to go ice skating on like a pond or something. Mm. And it's one of these very rare, like yeah. sweet moments of the right. book. Right. Um, I feel like that's something that I had remembered. Yeah. Although in the movie, I do know there's like the scene where <laughs> Beloved like picks up a rocking chair with one arm. And then because later, <laughs> later, um, what's his face? Danny Glover. Well, I can't the he's yes. like, she's not weak. She picked up a rocking chair with one arm. And Seth, he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that reminds me of this story that I'm going to tell. I don't know if I'll cut this or not. But when I was working at a used bookstore and going to school and reading Beloved, um, this would have been around the time I was reading the book. The mm -hmm. bookstore that I worked at was owned by this pair of lunatics, like a married <laughs> male-female couple. Yeah. And the owner's wife was such a lazy bitch <laughs> and would like have the staff help her with like personal tasks. Oh, God, yeah. 
and a lot of things like and she would like to sell her own personal items in the store like it was some sort of yard personal yard sale oh, for God. her yeah and she would have the staff carry stuff in um you know and like carry in stuff for her to sell <laughs> and then if some people buy we just give it in you know put it in an envelope to give to her and it's like you're using staff hours for your business for your personal yeah Profit. Anyway, the reason I mentioned this is because there was a large rocking chair that <laughs> she was trying to sell. And it was in like the middle of the floor, like blocking some of the books. Yeah. And I came, I was, I, I was the store manager and I'm in the office paying bills or whatever. And I came out of the office and I said, did someone buy the rocking chair? And they were like, what? And I was like, the rocking chair's gone. And they were like, nobody purchased it. And I was like, where did it go? And so I got on the security camera and I rewound the footage. And this woman who had the staff carry everything for her in comes in and just picks up that rocking chair like she's fucking beloved and just like walks it out of the store. And I printed out a screenshot of that. And I was just like, just think of this whenever she asks you to move things like oh my god <laughs> i'm obsessed you are you're donald glover <laughs> I, know, I know i was just like no <laughs> oh she's don't weak. fall for it yeah <laughs> her old weak lady act <laughs> don't she's fall like for her baby woman. in an adult body act yes oh and she oh my god and she would kind of be like oh can you help me with Ooh, this oh god so yes wow <laughs> that's so good <laughs> oh well on that note what do you think is beloved gothic yeah i think so i think so too especially again yeah. we're talking about southern gothic i think this mm -hmm. applies it's so close enough to kentucky yeah and you know it has to do with slavery um yes. and so i i think and that is a heavy element with southern gothic is the echoes the mm. echoes of slavery. And it generally is from a white person's perspective. So it's refreshing to get this from, from the black perspective. Yes, um, even yeah. though it's directed by a white man, you know, the book was written by Toni Morrison. It starts mm -hmm. Oprah, you know, it has the uh, black writer um, right. and all of that drama, but she's there. <laughs> um, so no, I do think, I do think this is Southern. I, I you know, I would even as a, to, I don't want to put, I feel like we've been putting the Southern Gothic as like, mm, yeah. you know, not our normal Gothic. I think this is just right. good old Gothic too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we barely even touched on a lot of the Southern Gothic elements and I won't get into that because I don't think it really like needs it. I mean, when we say Gothic, we're kind of, you know, it's, it's a little bit broad, obviously the way that we talk about it. Um, but I mean, I would say, yeah, this is Gothic. I mean, I bring it up like every episode, but if Elvis is Gothic. Elvis is Gothic. Exactly. And so, so often in a traditional Gothic, the haunt is symbolic or emblematic mm. of some larger thing. Right. And right. this one definitely is. Yeah. Well, and also like, you know, this is one of the, like, I feel like we haven't, talked about a movie where there's been a literal ghost in a while i mean skeleton key didn't technically have one um oh that's what did true we talk about before um oh gosh what was before skeleton key um i don't know i feel like we haven't talked about a literal ghost and we again kind of barely touched on that in the beginning because it's mostly in the beginning of the story but 
I mean, this one literally has supernatural elements. And she's a poltergeist. Yeah. She's a poltergeist. She's spooky. She's scary. This movie scared me. Yeah. The beginning, especially, is it kind of hangs over everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We haven't had a ghost since, um, uh, well, Phantom Thread had a ghost in it, but the mm. internet ate that episode and no one ever listened to it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> womp womp. We'll so, get to it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> when we redo it um before that i think it was i think it's spencer and the anne boleyn jump scare wow and that's like barely counts yeah we were yeah. ghost heavy early on when we had yeah, yeah. jane Eyre and crimson peak and house and um, um woman in black right so yeah, yeah. Wow, we're we're back, baby. The ghost is back. Ghosts are back. Yes, <laughs> love it. Well, thank you, ghosties, for listening to us break down, beloved. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts, please, and a review. Please. Drop us an email at sogothicpod at gmail Maybe we'll read them. And follow us on Instagram for hints about what we'll discuss next as we continue our scary road trip through the South. Stay ghosty. Bye-bye. Bye.